It is a uh, another great, a beautiful Lenten day here in uh, Payne County, God's Country, America. Uh, Father Kerry Wakulich here without without Father Brian O'Brien. Yes, you need your co-host. Uh, oh, I hey, whoa, 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 co-host. Yeah, he's the the lesser of the hosts. That's why they call him the co-host. I, I, I Father O'Brien O'Brien is out this week as I was the last couple weeks. Uh, you know, because we, we record this in our living room now, the living room of the St. Joseph Terror Demons Rectory, and it's a great place to record, and we just slip in Rob Ponce, the uh, the sound manager and chief uh, technology evangelist. Yeah, that's it. Hey, well, so with Father Brian O'Brien out, I, uh, I, I, I have you ever been on this podcast? I have not. The, the interrogation voice. Jonathan... What's your middle name? That's oh, a, oh, that's Matthew, a <laughs> Matthew. That's right, Jonathan Matthew O'Brien. Write it down. Not, you might not hear it from me. Not um, you're not of the same family tree as Father Brian O'Brien, are you? No, but we're both from Houston. You're both from Houston, but tell them the backstory. Like your family has a park named after you in Tulsa. That's right. So my grandfather grew up in Tulsa. His dad, my great grandfather, was county commissioner of Tulsa. In what um, years? Gosh, I'm not sure. Maybe twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, maybe. Whoa! Um, so he he did a lot of work on the public parks there, and so after he passed away, they named a park after him. They threw a little par three golf course on there. So I gotta go check it out. I think it's north side of Tulsa. O'Brien Golf Course. Uh, O'Brien Park. Is the golf course still there? Yes. It's a little par three. Yeah, just a small, small little park. Whoa. Okay. Uh, th- th- you told me the story the other day. Your grandmother was from Guthrie. Your grandfather was from Tulsa. He went to OSU. No, he went to TU. He went to TU, University of Tulsa, Rankine. And they met where? My grandfather's brother, his name was Babe, was a priest. Um, I'm not sure which parish, um, somewhere here. He was a priest in the in the Oklahoma in Oklahoma, I'm not sure if it was Tulsa or OKC, um, if it was in Guthrie, but my grandmother was one of his parishioners. She was like a young adult, and she had just graduated college, and uh, it was my grandfather's brother, Babe, uh, who introduced my grandfather and my grandmother. And he was a priest. Your great your grandfather's brother was a priest. Mm-hmm. And my grandma was a parishioner at, at his the, church. Whoa, that's super cool. Yeah. And now you're back here. That's right. And your fiance Lauren is moving on up to God's country. That's the plan. Oh, get her out here. Are you are you trying to reestablish your roots in Oklahoma forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever? I think most people move from Oklahoma to Texas, but we're doing the reverse. Flip. Oh yeah, reverse I know. Flip. Well, I mean, migrating it, north. After a while, you realize it's God's country is north of north of the Red River and east of I thirty five. East of I-35. East of I-35. Because <laughs> there's I, not a lot west. Whoa, 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 whoa. We have listeners out west <laughs> whom we love. We love those people out west. But it's flat and windy and dry. And I mean, you get out way out west to, well, like, I almost called it Lookout, Oklahoma, but that's not, I don't think that's out there. Um, ceiling. You get out to Ceiling or Woodward or those places, and it's like flat and not a lot of moisture. Anyway, well, that's not what we're talking about today. Well, uh, well, anyway, we are talking about family and the importance of family. 
this is about the importance of family in our faith life. Whoa. Okay. So, what you're, how long have you been a focused missionary? This is my second year. Whoa. And you went to school where? Where's your, where's your undergrad from? Went to Texas A&M University. At Texas, College Station. Got it. Texas A&M. You studied what there? Psychology. Okay. Great. And when you were at A&M, uh, how, what was the first couple of years of your faith life like at Texas A&M? First couple of years were a little bit rough. Uh, mainly the first year just was going into college, not really sure what to expect. Uh, my faith was definitely not a priority going into college. And so just slowly start into the, the grips of uh, what a secular life looks like. Work hard, get good grades, uh, drink, go for a good job. Drink a lot of beer on the weekends. Something like that. Yes, um, but was just looking to get a good job and thought that would give me a, a happy life and realized pretty quickly it wasn't going to end up like that. Yeah. Didn't you, you play baseball or golf growing up? Baseball growing up, not at A&M. Not at A&M, but playing in Houston and the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you come to A&M and then how did you sort of excel in your faith life? Because I mean, did your parents equip you? Uh, did your parish equip you to be an active, joyful, like Catholic when you went to college? Mm-hmm. Um, received some formation. You, we, we may throw some people under the bus today. Okay. Because I mean, uh, go ahead. Received some formation at home. Was never involved in my parish. Um, never even knew what that would mean. What that, that what that would mean. I went to mass on Sunday, but. Outside of that, I didn't see myself getting involved in youth group, um, just with sports and other things. So I knew things about my faith, and I went to Catholic school. Okay. Um, so I could maybe get an A on a religion class or a theology <laughs> class, but that doesn't mean I would know how to how to live it out during what, the week. What Catholic school did you go to? St. Pius X. Was that, was that high school or grade school? High school, uh, and then bounced around a couple grade schools, St. Anne's. Um, St. Edwards, a couple others. Okay, got it. Okay, okay. So this is this is the question I'm we're gonna lob out today and talk about today. What more could your parents have done to prepare you for college? So just we're gonna start with the parents because remember what canon law says and the catechism. Well, the catechism really doesn't say it, but it alludes to it. And even it's the the the. Faith formation must go on in the household first, and then, you know, the church is there to help out a little bit, and the people of God are there to, but it occurs first. So, looking back now, what would you tell, one, in, in two ways, what would you tell parents to do to help with, help their high school kids, eighth grade kids, sixth and seventh grade kids to grow in their faith life? How, how could you help, the, they, they help their kids out? Two, it also says this, what are college students and young adults um, right now when they're like, oh my gosh, I'm really hungry for something in my faith life during the season of Lent. What, what's some good stuff out there? So let's start with parents first. What would you, what would you go back and, and okay, now I'm going to be a parent in five years. You may be married with kids in five years. What would you do to help your son or daughter in their faith life uh, growing up? Yeah, that's a good question. Oh, I, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm here to ask some magnificent questions. I thought I was supposed to be the interrogator, so maybe we'll... The light's later. on you. Look up. Ceiling fan light is on you, sir. Um, I think the first thing is just creating a space for dialogue to be able to actually have those conversations. 
um, I don't know what it would what it would have looked like for me to bring up um, what it looks like to practice my faith as a high schooler because there was never a uh, an avenue, I guess, to talk about that. Yeah. So for the parents to initiate um, some of those conversations of you know, what does your faith life look like right now, and uh, what are you? What are the questions that you have? Because really, everyone has questions uh-huh. of uh, what they know, what they don't know, uh, what they're currently doing, what they would like to grow in their practice of um, living out their faith. So I think whether that's just like an actual conversation that's had at the dinner table, or more formally, the parents are are having some sort of formation that they're sharing with their children and they're giving them a space to be able to have those conversations um, could be really impactful. Okay. What would be some formation that a parent could go about doing? Because you are a missionary and you get constant formation in the, in the Catholic faith and you got some in college that you are going to continue the rest of your life. You're not going to abandon ship right now. So what are some things that some parents could have in their like life of formation and growing in sainthood? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it can be encompassing of a lot. You, obviously, you have like human formation, apostolic formation, um, prayer. Um, so it's just really like in a crucial time like high school or just some a childhood in general, um, there's a lot of formation that's going on. And if the parents aren't doing the form formation... Of themselves. Of themselves and also of their child. Um, other things are going to take that place. And whether that's the school or that's the media or it's society, like those yeah. children are going to be formed by what they're surrounded by. Um, but, I mean, I think you can just kind of take each one of those uh, pillars of formation okay. and create a space to, to be built up in that. So for whether it's prayer, it's like having a space to be able to pray together as a family. Or, okay. Um, Got, yeah, a, a, a a space in the house to pray, like a prayer corner, or a time, or both. Both. <laughs> <laughs> both, yeah. I mean, like set aside a specific table to make it a um, like a house altar and put some religious um, paintings or pictures up and some crucifixes, um, your favorite saint, and talk about why that saint is in your home. Um, have the space to be able to pray. Um, maybe a decade of the rosary with little kids or a whole rosary with someone who's a high school. What is the rosary? Why are we asking Mary to intercede yeah, for yeah. us and our family and the things that are going on in our lives? Um, how are we going to bring those things to God and not just be trying to take on more and more and more? Um, so for the parents to initiate that and to lead in that um, and to be able to ask the children what their questions are, I think uh-huh. would be big and really make be pivotal for the kids just receiving that from their parents. Yeah, of reading the scriptures together. I know some families do that. They they sit down and they read a little bit of the Bible or the daily readings together, and then they talk about it. Yeah, I don't even think I knew what that daily mass was a thing. Maybe until the time I got to college, really, <laughs> that you could go to I mean, mass outside of you know Sunday. Yeah. So you think that's like as part of a life of prayer of taking kids to at least a little bit of Eucharistic adoration or to visit the church and just stop by in the, in the middle of the day or when you come home from work? Yeah, I mean, the sacraments are going to be the most um, formative things that we can probably do here on this earth, um, an opportunity to encounter God himself. Um, you know, the catechism says a visible sign of an invisible reality. So there's a reality going on that's beyond us in the sacrament. 
and yeah. for a child to like come to um, understand that and experience that really um, is um, the definition of me for formative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you just mentioned that. That's the definition of sacrament in the catechism. Did you know that when you were 19? Absolutely not. Did you know that when you were 20? Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there, you gathered that intellectual knowledge. So you mentioned that those pillars of formation, one is a life of prayer. So the individual, like a parent, mom and dad need a life of prayer individually together, then as a family, and they'd be able to then share that and teach their kids and, and open that that opportunity for conversation. But what about intellectual formation? You mentioned that as one of those pillars. I mean, just even like that, you just quoted the catechism without seeing the catechism in front of you. I couldn't do that when I was 22 years old. I could do that now. And so what, what, is it, what does it mean to have an intellectual formation as, a, as an adult, as a parent, as a, as a kind of a family? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, St. Paul's words of um, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Oh, yeah, I love that. In Romans. Um, and so it, it has to be like this ongoing, I'm yeah. seeking to like uh, be seeped in the Holy Scriptures or uh, the teachings of the church. Um, and it's in that like continual renewal and going back to this this uh, well, really, of uh, the richness in the Catholic Church and in our faith. Um, that we're we're taking and receiving more and more, um, and it's transforming our mind to be able to actually um, just like hold hold fast to those truths to be able to receive more. Um, so I mean, there's a lot of different resources. I even would just Google things, Catholic Answers. <laughs> Shout out to Catholic.com, um, the most difficult URL to remember. <laughs> For any question you could have about the faith, is that um, is that Catholic Answers' website, Catholic.com? Yes. Oh, that's a toughie. Oh. Don't forget. But there's just a search bar, just works like Yahoo Answers for those who were around in the early stages of the internet. Um, and you can search any question you might have. Uh, what is teaching on just faith and works, or um, the Eucharist, or um, who is Mary? So Catholic answers, um, and even just like having conversations, I think in the midst of um, just coming back and wanting to live out my faith more, I was just able to talk to friends who were well-versed, who were, were experiencing that renewal of their mind and seeking like transformation in the person of Christ. Um, of like, what are the questions that I had about my faith? And I think for parents to be able to have a space to ask the questions that they have so that they can... Yeah. Um, have answers not just from themselves but the people who are closest to them like their children and their spouse and I don't know how often parents have the space to ask the questions they've had about their faith um, so I think it starts there like what are the questions that you have about your faith um, and how do you desire to pass that on to to those who are closest to you to those who you're wanting to lead yeah um, to eternity yeah one of the questions I always had growing up was how many spirations there were in the Trinity and luck luckily, um, in my third year of theology, when I was reading some St. Thomas Aquinas, I came to, under, that's all a lie. I just, there's a, a quote about the spirations in the Trinity, but I didn't have it as a young kid. I, I think I was in the, in the sort of the same boat that there was this intellectual formation that was not given to us. 
It was not given to me. Uh, you know, they, you know, blessings of my parents gave me a Catholic education, but the Catholic, the Catholic school is seen as the end all and be all to form or religious education on Sunday to form us in the intellectual life. But what you're saying is that it's the job of each person, as St. Paul said, be transformed by the renewal of your minds. Your mind always is being metanoid and converted intellectually by the truths and to seek out those truths, which um, like right now, Father Mike Schmitz is doing that catechism in a year. Have you heard? Have you listened to any of it? I haven't listened to it, but some but you, really solid resource. And the catechism. And the catechism so. in a year. He did the Bible in a year last year. Did you happen to listen to that? You didn't listen to it either. Great. I, fantastic. Because what are some things that you're reading or praying with or studying right now? Uh, that background noise is the focus missionaries are cooking in the rectory this morning along with Father Porter and Holly Holly Uribe, our campus ministry squad. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff going on, Rob, in this rectory. So keep it down over there. Uh, the uh, What are some things that you're, you're studying and reading right now? I mean, those two resources, Holy Scripture and the Catechism of the Church. Oh, you're reading the Catechism. Yeah. <sighs> Why didn't you just tell me that? So I look like a buffoon. <laughs> you're the interrogator here. You're I know. I didn't ask the right question. So you're reading the Scriptures right now. Yes. Yes, so we... Um, just have time set aside each morning to be able to to seep ourselves in this uh, this well of truth and um, to be able to encounter God in His living Word, which is effective um, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Oh yeah! Um, so we have time to be able to read Holy Scriptures each morning, um, and then the Catechism. You know, in the life of a of a missionary, to one be able yep. to understand what is the the Church teaching, but also like in what way. Is it eloquently um, sharing that truth, and how can I just go to what the church says? Um, go to almost the the primary source, um, or even in the catechism when it uh, gives its indexes of where these teachings are coming from, is really important to be able to share yeah. what the church is saying. So, for me to read that is important. Yeah, there's there's some uh, really good stuff. So you're reading the catechism. How far are you into it? Don't have an exact paragraph quarter the me. quarter of the way through forty percent. I take it more topical, so it's not like cover to cover. Okay, um, it's like okay, let's go to the catechism section on prayer and what is it Ooh. saying about prayer? Um, what are catechism's teaching on um, the relationship between faith and works? Oh um, uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, like the the, uh, the section on the on the moral life on virtues. Like what? How do the virtues work in our life? Why? Why should we seek the virtues? How? Why is the? I remember reading, uh, on the virtue of prudence and it calling it the charioteer of all the virtues. And I was like, ah, crud. That's why I need prudence really bad. Uh, or I, I was listening to one on temperance right before the great season of Lent, and it was. Uh, and this is why I think that we. If we don't study and we don't do research, like I just Googled, my spiritual director and I were talking, and he said, I want you to do some reading on temperance. So I got I got the old Googleizer and I put in temperance, Catholic reading, and I found like four or five things. And then I found this, this audio, this lecture on uh, the, the ladder of divine ascent by St. John Cashin, I think it was. And he had a section on temperance. 
and this guy gave this lecture and basically like read sections out of it and did commentary and I was like this is brilliant now I see why my my anger my envy my greed my lustful passions my gluttony is a problem because I don't have temperance under control and I it started by like reading the catechism on the virtues and thinking like okay, I need to work on some of these virtues now, Lord, and then taking that to prayer and saying, okay, Lord, what? But then the benefit of that is you get to sit down and talk with somebody about this. You get to talk with your friends about it. I was talking to my priest buddies, and we, as, as we're growing in the intellectual life and our life of prayer, we talk about the faith with each other and what the Lord is doing in our life um, intellectually and spiritually. And, and that's what I think parents... I would encourage them to do because if, if I, I think like if we don't see the importance of our growing in the relationship with God for eternal life, if we don't see that as important, then we're not going to um, see that as important for our children either, um, even our college students. Like we'll just sit around and talk about like, you know, Manchester United soccer or Real Madrid or the hockey season or like like what are the best coffees? We'll talk about all this other stuff, uh, the war in Ukraine, you know, um, Chinese spy balloons. We won't even get to the point of the most important stuff, which is our salvation and the divine life and and um, the like the journey to eternal life. So you found it. Um, sort of rejuvenating, um, sparking, like it's gotten, it's, um, it's, it's helped you along the way growing in the intellectual life? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just like the, the more I'm able to receive and the more I'm able to understand, the more I'm able to know in terms of how to live. Ooh, go on. Tell, tell the good people of God about that. Um, so if I see, you know, the sacraments, for example, or the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass as an opportunity for, um, I don't know, just to hear the Word of God and then to leave, um, yeah, maybe there's a space to be able to go once a week on Sunday. But if I come to understand the the Mass as a place of divine worship um, and as... Um, a representation like of the sacrifice on Calvary, um, it becomes a new, like every time I'm able to attend um, that Jesus himself is a living sacrifice and that sacrifice is taking place in front of me um, and that it's not just um, something to go to once and done a week. Um, and scurry out. Mm -hmm. But that I'm able to go there and, and worship mm. our Lord in, in the highest form. Of, of worship in the Mass. And so the more I understand about the things um, in that the Church has already given me, the more I'm able to uh, hold close closer to those, like the richness that's there. Okay. The beauty. Wow. Well, okay, two questions. One, did you learn that from high school at St. Pius X in Houston? All that stuff you just said? No. Did you learn that? I'm not going to throw our parents under the bus. Did you learn that from your parents? I did not. Uh, where'd you learn all that? Catechism, conversations. Catechism, conversations. Holy friendships. Yeah. It's important. 
Just like uh, being a focused missionary. Mm-hmm. Receiving formation through my work. Um, a big mm-hmm. part of, of our apostolate focus is yeah, having space to be able to be formed ourselves, but even just the formation we receive from um, being in close relationships and friendships with other missionaries is a, is a big deal. So I'm not just here at Oklahoma State as a missionary by myself, but I have a team of, um, of four other individuals who are desiring to live out the faith and yeah. um, a couple hundred across the nation, right. um, almost a thousand uh, who are serving on different college campuses. So just to hear from them, like what is uh, worship at mass look like to them to be able yeah, to, like, yeah. these are just be normal conversations that we can have because those might not have been conversations I had in my house growing up. Yeah, in my exactly. And so these have, uh, and you, you've, this is beautiful because then you share this with other college students. So you're catechizing yourself, forming your own intellectual life and a life of prayer. And then you share that with your men in your Bible studies, the guys that you're forming to be missionary disciples. Yeah. So it's through friendship that I'm able to like understand these things better with people who um, might have um, a greater formation in a sense Uh than me. And then it's through coming to understand those things more fully that I can share them as well in friendship with college students. Yeah. Um, so them not just being Bible study participants, but people that I know, people that I know what's going on in their lives, what's going on in their day. Um, and we're able to have those same conversations there, like opens up a space for that. Right. So this would, okay, one, that's one, two. The third part of that is what, what, would, you, what would you tell men who are out there what would you? What resources would you say? Hey, I want you to go listen to this, or I want you to go read this. I want you to grasp this. Um, some things that would help them, because we know the stat. The stat is, if if dads are involved in their faith life in the home, your kid is eighty percent likely to go to mass outside of outside of the home and get be involved in their faith life. If it's just a mom, it's twenty percent. Those are the stats. We know that. We know the numbers. The numbers work. We've been talking about friendship a little bit. Look at what Aristotle has to say about friendship. Ooh. He talks- go ahead, tell me. I learned this basically, uh, let you know. I learned this when I was 35. Okay. I remember the day I learned it. 35-year-old Father Carey. Learning about the three types of friendship of Aristotle. Hit it. So he has utility of, uh, or sorry, friendship of utility, and a friendship of pleasure, and then friendship, uh, or sorry, virtuous friendship. Um, so friendship of utility essentially being um, I see Father Carey every day. Um, I'm going to pass by him. He's a friend that um, he, there's a, the relationship there exists insofar as we um, both receive something from the other one. I might go to class and my professor teaches me um, and I receive knowledge from my professor. Uh-huh. Friendship of utility. Friendship of pleasure might be one that you enjoy going to play basketball with every day. Um, you're able to have a good teammate. He's able to have someone play with him. Uh-huh. Friendship of cool. utility. And then virtuous friendship. Um, the desiring the, the betterment of yep. the other. Like desiring um, the other to be able to grow greater than they currently are um, based around this virtue. And Aristotle talks about how neither of them are objectively disordered. Uh, friendships of pleasure or friendships of utility aren't bad. They're going to be natural. Um, but there's this need for virtuous friendships. And I think to answer the question, um, for men, there's this uh, desire to have something more than just guys to play basketball with, uh-huh. or people in your yep. class, a professor that you know. 
Um, but to actually have um, someone in your life who's desiring for you to become a better man and desiring and challenging you to become better than you currently are. Yep. Um, so my advice would be to, to seek out who are those people in my life who would challenge me um, and who are uh, modeling how it, what it means to, to live out this uh, relationship centered around virtue. Got it. Uh, in our last minute and 20 seconds, tell guys something they should be reading, maybe making, stopping by making a pit stop prayer time or a podcast or something they should be listening to. Shoot for 20 minute to 30 minutes of prayer. 20, 30 minutes. Set the bar, set the bar high and go for it. 20 to 30 minutes. Um, Whoa. Go on. If you can, in front of uh, the Blessed Sacrament, God will do the work. He will transform you. Um, what more can you want than in the experience of uh, the living God present yeah. in the Eucharist and the tabernacle? He'll do the work. Wow. And then I would also say, look at your vices. And I, I, I used this line the other day, but I'm going to use it a little more kinder. Um, we've got a lot of crap in our lives because of our history, our family upbringing, whatever it may be, the mistakes we've made, don't dump your crap on your kids. And work on that. Grow in holiness. Grow in virtue. Grow, like, weed those things out. If you have to do push-ups to get them out, get them out. Root out the vice. So grace comes flying in, baby. You gotta be aware. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, this is the end. Another day in paradise. Peace.